Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Ron Waxman with Spencer King. We are another on another episode of The King and I. And uh, we're also going to dedicate this uh, episode to the impact on COVID on multiple things. And maybe we start uh, today. It's uh, Friday, uh, October 8th. We just heard that the job report missed a lot by the number of jobs. And, and you have a theory. Why is that? Spencer, what do you think is the causality for that? I was just listening to somebody digging down on the job report and, and where the where it was falling short. And one of the areas was hospitality and travel. Uh, this was one of the uh, big areas they were expecting uh, a big increase, but it fell far far short. I think by I've forgotten what it was, 120 or 30 thousand jobs in that sector alone. And it occurs to me that. Uh, you know, we are missing, we're, and we're contributors to that because our medical meetings uh, that we used to have are not happening, the in-person meetings. So we all talk about, well, everything's changed. We do everything by Zoom. Everything's going to be remote. Well, this is a terrible disappointment, I'm sure, to fellows, trainees, uh, among others of us, who used to go and present in national meetings and regional meetings uh, in front of a big audience, uh, they prepare their talk, they work on their slides, they would put together their posters and show up at this place and present on a stage in front of an audience, in front of uh, a panel of uh, luminaries from the, from the profession. And all that's gone. The fellows don't get that anymore. I mean, how did I meet Andreas Grunzi? It was at the uh, American Heart Association meeting where he was presenting a poster. I mean, I, I realize posters are still presented uh, virtually, but gee whiz, uh, you know, you, 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 there's nobody to tell you, hey, you should go down on aisle number 23 or something and see this poster. It's really weird. This guy has uh, figured out how to blow a balloon up in an artery and, and, and open it up. These things may be hard to find now if they're all, uh, if they're new ideas like that that are uh, just virtual and the fellow presenting them, the young investigator presenting them is robbed of that experience. So I think we could contribute to the uh, overall economy and job creation by uh, reinstituting in-person meetings. Uh, all we have to do to do that is everybody get vaccinated and we're, we're in good shape. And uh, then we can all go back to what was uh, enjoyable before. And yeah, it, uh, uh, yeah it, would, it would drive travel, it would drive the uh, airline industry, it would drive the hotel industry, the restaurant business, and all that. So I'm, uh, I'm arguing for, uh, for medicine to contribute to the economy in this way. Terrific. Now, I mean, these are all very, very good points. You almost forget how a meeting in person looks like. I mean, our memory, even though it was less than two years, but it's very, very fast and things has been filled with those virtual, I agree, uh, that maybe they're successful by themselves, but they're not a substitute for an in-person meeting. So, so let me tell you a few things that I know. Uh, and, and I think uh, uh, I may get into trouble for that, but I'll say it anyway. I think TCT made a big mistake by allowing to have the meeting going simultaneously, broadcasting it and not having it also just in person. Because if you have the option, 
then a lot of people say, well, why should I pay for my travel from my hotel? I mean, I can see everything by Zoom. They may not see it, but the illusion that they can see it may impact on their motivation to come. So I hope they'll have a successful meeting, but it is still restricted. Uh, so it's, it's when you hear AHA made it now virtually, I mean, it's almost everyone is defaulting at the end of the day to the virtual meeting. Uh, there's not much expense to put a virtual meeting. I know it's from my own experience, but um, it's not the same. And we have to change it. So how do we change it? How do we create back the enthusiasm uh, and saying, well, the alternative is an interesting alternative, but it's not a substitute to an in-person meeting. And I think someone really has to move the people around. So there are two type of uh, individuals, those who are US uh, that actually can travel with no limitation and those who are outside of the US. But the good news in November, the sky should be open for them. Uh, I think the problem would be to get a ticket because I already heard from uh, my friends that uh, uh, everything is fully booked to come from in November. So I think people will start to travel and they, there is that hunger that uh, they have not been in actual meeting. It's not just to be in the room, it's, it's the, the interaction with, it, with everyone. But uh, it, I tell you it's, what, the inter it's the interaction and, and it's the t time off. I mean, uh, you know, life could be more interesting uh, for, uh, for physicians, for investigators, for trainees, for all these people. If they had some of these things they had before, right now it's uh, 165 days a year at home in your place, looking at a computer periodically for meetings. It used to be, you know, okay, I look forward to this thing of like in November, American Heart or something. Uh, I used to put on a meeting in Snowmass, Colorado with Jack Vogel, and then later I did it, uh, where people showed up and uh, this was viewed as a total boondoggle uh, for people. Uh, they'd go out and they'd ski in the middle of the day, but they would go to the meetings and absorb uh, information uh, in the morning and later in the afternoon. And I found it one of the most uh, valuable educational meetings because people were totally engaged and had plenty of time to sit down with the people who were presenting the data to question the information and to learn things. And it was, yes, a vacation. It was also something they took the family to. Uh, but uh, all those things have gone away. And they say, well, that's, uh, they should go away because they're just perks of life that to people that, well, people need perks. People need to look forward to things. Uh, I don't know anybody sitting around looking forward to the American Heart. Oh, I'm so excited. The American Heart is coming up and uh, I can look at it on my computer. People claim high attendance at these things. We just had a meeting, 1600 people at the Epic meeting. I don't know if they were there. I don't know if they were actually looking, who knows? But uh, if you have the actual meeting and you see people and people remember it and they, uh, they remember what happened and they, it raises questions and stimulates uh, new ideas and uh, investigation and it uh, takes the the trainee who's now just kind of slogging it out uh, and, and exposes them to uh, people who've been there before and people who've been there before 
learn from the new uh, the new uh, new people on the block. So I don't think human nature is such that we'll be satisfied with uh, all this remote uh, separative separate uh, separation. I think I think we need to get together. And I, I said this is that we're not by ourselves going to solve the economic situation of unemployment. Unemployment actually is pretty low. The people just don't want to go back to work. And yet, if the hotels, the restaurants, the airlines, everybody had the customers, I mean, they would find a way to get people back to work. Maybe the, maybe the wages have to go up, but uh, that's probably a good thing. Yeah, so you believe that uh, this is something that will come back because, you know, we, we switch a lot of things that were replaced by new technologies. I, mean, I remember those slides that we used to prepare uh, with a slide projector and all this stuff. Now it's all computers. I mean, I can give on and on and on and examples. Uh, the whole iPhone, the whole thing. Now we get all the meeting through Zoom. And most of this stuff has not been returned back to where it was before. Now, this is not exactly a replacement, but... Um, I wonder, you know, you have now two generations or two years, not generation of fellows that has not been in any meeting. Like I'm talking big meetings, like the yeah. AHA, like the ACC, like the ESC. Like one more year, it's gonna be three years if that's gonna happen. Uh, then they're gonna forget even what's the feel of going there and what's the potential that it carries. So how do you crank it back? I mean, I'm sure that you know, the society thinks very heavily about it. It used to be a very good source of income. Um, I, I took a, an easy approach. I bring a lot of people, I pay for their travel, I pay for the hotel, all the fellows. So I tried to jumpstart with that, but uh, I know societies cannot do that. And, and the problem is that in order to do an effective, let's say ACC meeting or AHA meeting, you need several thousand people there. I mean, like 7,000, 8,000. You know, heydays, it was 20,000. But how do you get now, how do you move so many people back to something that they were like stagnated? Forget about the fear. Let's assume COVID is over. Or, or it's not over, but you, you learn how to live with that. But now you're starting, who's going to pay for this? And is there funds from the hospital are still there and you know why should I do it if I can get it online and I have so many things to choose from so is that something that can be can we can recover it from that that that's the question and and I'm not sure I mean I don't have yeah, a good that, answer. it's an important question I don't, I don't know if the societies will is the ACC gonna bite the bullet and say uh, we want to have our meeting in person only if you Presenting, you have to show up here and uh, and present the information. And if you want to go to it, you've got to come wherever it is. Uh, with this, uh, what will be the incentive for people to come? It used to be the incentive; people did come. Uh, uh, Fuster is putting on his meeting in New York. I can't remember. I think it's I think it's hybrid. I don't know. Uh, used to have a lot of people, international people, that was heavily international, who would come. And I, I'm sure that's way down because of the difficulties you've uh, mentioned still with the COVID story. But uh, I think uh, at some point, you say the fellows have gotten used to it, but their fellows, the fellows change, the trainees change every 
<laughs> so uh, there may be, but how it how it uh, how it ramps back up, how it gets, uh, how do you get, uh, you know, ten thousand people showing up at uh, at a meeting, uh, which is a low number, it used to be twenty thousand and more for some of these things. Uh, the incentive for sponsorship is still there, and of course, all the conflicts of interest are still a problem. But yes, a lot of people got probably funded to go to meetings by uh, not only their institution, but uh, also in the past by industry, and that's uh, that's brought into question. But uh, there, there are a lot of things that uh, are not. You know, you can say, well, you could do them cheaper. You could do everything cheaper. You could uh, just do everything remotely and nobody ever leave their house. They could do everything educationally. I just don't believe that human nature is, is like that. I think we, we, will, we will always want to get together. We'll always want to be recognized somewhat by for what we've accomplished what we've done what we the work that uh, investigators and fellows and have, have done will want to have some more uh, reward for that and then the the people the people the people who want to attend if the late breaking thing hey, why do people really want to go to the esc and here the late breaking trial results and wait on pins and needles to hear about some a breakthrough study that has been accomplished. First, the study has needs to have accomplished something. So the quality of the work needs to be good. Uh, but then uh, uh, the opportunity to go to uh, Paris to see it will interest a lot of people. Some of them will pay their own way. Uh, yes, it'll be a combination of education and vacation. And that's not all bad. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that, that, will, that will be a driving force. So there will continue to be, I, I don't know, I've been criticized my whole life by my wife who says that every meeting I ever went to was really not a vacation. It was, uh, you know, it was... Uh, professional and involved with all these things. I, I argue with her about that. I said, well, I, you know, we got to go to a couple of nice restaurants and meet some people and see some nice uh, things. And so I, I don't know that we can, that we ought to really work on completely separating education and vacation. Yeah, I think that, nice uh, uh, you know, the CRT meeting is gonna be only in person. If you don't come, you'll miss it. Uh, it's not going to be an event that you can do uh, virtually. We're just going to do it in person. We're going to bring our guest speakers. Um, they're going to be there. They're not going to be televised. You have to be there. You have to meet the people there. So what I sense so far, you know, we are still four months from the meeting. Industry is very excited. They want to come. They want to go back to exhibit. They want to meet their customers. They're definitely there. And, and you know, our meeting is not that big of a meeting like ACC or AHA, but I think on the societies, they have to start to do in-person meeting only and to maybe they don't need a full convention center for that. Maybe they'll take a small part, but we have to build that the enthusiasm that used to be, you mentioned that I remember my first AHA, 
I had this goosebump, wow, to see and to mingle with so many people. And you walk here, you see Bronwell, you, you walk there, you see Spencer King. I mean, uh, you know, on my job interview with you, I, in, I, I toured with you the whole AHA in Dallas. I still remember the whole day we were working from place to place, from meeting to meeting. It was such a, a, an event that, you know, you remember that 30 years later, like this was one of the best treats in your life. So I think we have to create this level of enthusiasm, uh, but that's also only when people would recognize that gathering together. You know, when people go to a, a concert, a rock concert, yes, they can put it on video, they can see the TV, but they don't get the whole thing. I mean, they, it's different. So that atmosphere of a rock concert should be brought back to the big meeting. And it, it is upon the societies to run it. This is not for a CRT role. I mean, but, but that's something that I bet if you do that this way, you're going to get a lot of people uh, because they'd like to be part of the event, part of the, um, you know, the experience that is a very unique experience. But you have to create that environment. And in that case, look, everybody's still going to see football games, right? I mean, they're stadiums are full right now. I don't know who is vaccinated, who is not vaccinated. They're unmasked, but they're still coming. So we have to create this uh, excitement. You can watch it on TV, right? But you still have this uh, in-person big events that's starting to fill in. And I think we should try to think, how do we bring in medicine? If we're going to sit at home or on the drawing board and say, oh, no one is going to come, we're not going to do this, it's not interest, it's all default into Zoom, that's not going to be the solution. Ron, your examples are great. I, I mean, I watch football and, and you see Sanford Stadium, University of Georgia, 96,000 people there. That's a different game than the ones they had the year before when nobody's there and people are just playing football. I think it was uh, Itzhak Perlman, I, somebody, somebody said it, that uh, your recording of, uh, of, of a music, of a musical piece in front of a, a live audience, a, a receptive, a knowledgeable audience was totally different. The, the feedback, I mean, yes, you mentioned rock concerts, but classical music as well. Uh, There's something there that you get from the audience as well as just the performing it uh, cold uh, in, in front of a, a microphone in the studio. So I think that you may, with CRT, be the bookends of this whole story. You had the last live medical meeting that was uh, great, by the way, in Washington, and maybe you'll have the first new medical meeting that's live. There may be some others, but uh, you, you will be the, you may be, have the bookends of this uh, whole uh, experience. And by doing that, demonstrate that, uh, you know, we really need uh, to, to be together. We're human beings and we need to, uh, to do that together. And, uh, and, and, and be warned, you know, like this to turn off your, Turn off your cell phone when it's <laughs> ringing in the middle of the meeting. Terrific. Uh, Spencer, while I have you here, maybe one area that just to follow up on our discussion from last uh, session or episode when we talked about the importance of vaccination and third vaccine and all of the above. I wanted to get your thoughts. I mean, we're starting to have uh, staff here that they cannot work anymore because they has not been vaccinated. 
and we are short of staff, uh, the authorities basically put very strong mandate. If you're not vaccinated, you can no longer provide service. And obviously they wanted to do two things. I mean, to stimulate more people to get vaccinated. And second of all, to protect uh, maybe their peers, the patients, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, it may have some impact. I mean, I'm sure that some people got vaccinated just because they wanted to maintain their job and get paid. But what do you do with all those that are not? I mean, they basically still stubborn. They don't want to get the vaccination. And meanwhile, they're creating this uh, short of manpower in hospitals and maybe some other areas. I know the United Airlines also fired, like uh, maybe didn't lay off the people, but they kind of put them on some leave. Uh, but these are by the thousands. I mean, we're not talking about like few. You, you thought about this. Uh, well, it's a new phenomenon. It's not. It's not that people are opposed to vaccines because your hospital has required flu shots for all these years, and all the people were working there, and they were all getting them right. So the, I mean, I've seen uh, information which tells me somewhere between one and two percent of employees of hospitals have uh, have uh, been laid off uh, because of this. You say, how do you deal with it? So it's not a it's not an issue of people are scared to get a needle stuck in the arm. It's not an issue of people are afraid of having antibodies develop within their bodies to fight disease, because they're all doing that already. It's all a problem of uh, Facebook. It's a problem of people getting misinformation, uh, which is rampant and is driven even internationally by, uh, by enemies of the United States uh, and other people who are putting out this stuff. So this is another issue of what do you do with misinformation that is harmful to public health? And uh, we're awash in it. And uh, I think that uh, uh, how to get out of it to without uh, infringing on, you know, various liberties and whatnot, uh, I don't know. But somehow we've got to get over the ability to just flood, flood the country with misinformation and it affects certain people. There are certain people more, more affected uh, by the virus and there's some people who are affected by this misinformation. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, there's, there's a reaction to the flu shot. There's a reaction to uh, shingle shot. I mean, there, there are things, that, there are pros and cons, but nobody is out there quitting their job because flu shots are required or because measles shots are required or because anything else. It's all about this thing, which is, which is a victim of this uh, misinformation that is uh, really hurting our, hurting our society. So, so misinformation is one thing, both of us are in, interested in politics and I know you, past here where you dive more into the politics. How much of this you think it's a political issue? I mean, you belong to one camp versus another camp and you're starting to develop this uh, antagonism just because it's it's the wrong party that pushes that vaccination right now. Well, well some of it is, uh, some, some of it is uh, party or clan or loyalty or tribe loyalty or something like that. 
but uh, the misinformation hits everybody. I mean, I'm sure there's misinformation from the right and the left about vaccines, but it's still misinformation, whoever puts it out. And uh, the, the, uh, the, the ability to put it out is so much more effective now than it was, you know, 20 years ago before we had the internet and before we had uh, Facebook and Twitter and all these kind of things. It made it so easy. Now, now we worry about children, the effect on children, uh, about with uh, things like uh, eating disorders and all that kind of thing that we're hearing about now. But it's also affecting people, and now it will affect children because children are going to be the subject of vaccination if, to get schools fully enrolled and nobody having to wear a mask and everything back to normal requires vaccination. And the vaccination is the liberating item. <laughs> People talk about, oh, you're taking my liberty away. No, the vaccine would liberate people. It's interesting. Fear. That it liberated us from the fear of smallpox. I mean, George Washington required smallpox vaccination of his soldiers to liberate them so they could get out and fight. Gee whiz. We, we never it's all turned upside down. Yeah, and we don't hear it on polio, right? Everybody is rushing to get the polio vaccine and then you have, I mean, this is to be beyond my understanding, but you may be right. Maybe this is all misinformation and we have to find a way to combat that. That's, uh, and it does penetrate also to medicine. I mean, the misinformation is not limited. Uh, it goes, I mean, we still have the journals that are kind of, maybe that makes much more importance of the journals because you referred to medical journals but now with all the open access journals i don't even know who's controlling what published so that could be also could be potentially leads to misinformation but we leave it to some other time maybe to, to talk about the impact of all this on 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 misinformation well we're going to get back we're going to get back to uh, trusting expertise and trusting uh, someday we'll get back to trusting uh, uh, some aspects of government, trusting the post office that it'll deliver our letter, or somebody will, trusting uh, uh, the policeman who will come and show up and uh, when we call them because we're worried about something, trusting the fire department that'll come and put out our fire. But right now we're in a terrible uh, time when mistrust is now a thing. It's, it's become a popular thing. Uh, I will do that people say, oh, I don't know. I hear this and I hear that both sides of the story. And I think I'll do my own research. Yeah, right. Do your own research. You're <laughs> going to figure out what the virology is, what the epidemiology is. No, you're not going to do your own research. Give me a break. You're going to read some or hear some uh, propagandist that's going to try to convince you that science is evil and that uh, you need to go back into the Middle Ages. Well, this is not the solution to our problems. So Spencer, I, I would like to kind of wrap it up because I think those things are connected to each other. And how would I connect the beginning of our discussion to the end? We need more in-person large meetings because it's very easy to propagate misinformation when you do something on your Facebook, on a Twitter, one-on-one, -on -one, and everybody's followed. But if you're in the presence of a large auditorium, you got to tell the truth. I mean, everybody's there. 
uh, scrutinizing you from A to Z on any word that you say, get getting out of your mouth. You have a panel there. Uh, we have to get the people together. It's going to be minimize the, uh, the the disinformation. Maybe will increase the trust. So so let's get rally to join large meetings and do the things that we used to do years before, before way way before we had Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, yeah. We've become too fascinated with the technology. We need to get back to, you know, believing what people say or disbelieving what they say and telling it straight to them. <laughs> if you don't believe. Great, great session uh, with you again, as always. Uh, thank you very much. And we'll be sometimes with another episode of The King and I.